Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on tonight's live stream. I haven't been with you in a while, but it sure is good to be back in studio, especially with you, sir. Yeah, it's good, exactly. to, good to be with you, David. Yeah. Tonight, we've got an amazing guest. I, am, I, I got chills because I'm sitting next to a hero. He's 26 years old. Uh, but this guy, there is no, there, I don't think there's a fearful bone in your body. This is Jorge Ventura. <laughs> he is the finest, it used to be just citizen journalist, but right. now you work for the Daily Caller. You're independent uh, freelance in some capacity, but you work for the Daily Caller. And if you haven't uh, heard of Jorge, I do know this, you have seen his work uh, he was instrumental in bringing truth to, uh, actually, there were two stories that were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the White House picked up, and so did Fox News. The one who happened back in May with a Fox reporter that uh, he was covering the Antifa in D.C., and when they found out he was a Fox reporter, they began to attack him and beat on him, and you just started filming. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of an, an insane experience because... Like I said, I, I uh, arrived to D.C. as a as an intern, and so it was just you know had, my first week was just doing in, you know. Prior to that, you were doing sports and yeah, working yeah. for a community college. Yeah, and- yeah, I was covering anything you know California related. Went to community college at College of the Canyons in, in Valencia, so local six six one. And what got, up? yeah, yeah, got to got, got to got to D.C. May twenty first. May twenty second is when the Minneapolis Police Department released the footage of George Floyd. Obviously, the the country just completely changed after that then uh the the riots and civil unrest didn't come to dc till till may 29th so about eight to seven days later and that's where i got on the scene in front of the white house which is lafayette park and that's when the white house actually went on lockdown trump actually went uh, they were on pushing a, on a the gates and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was weren't there a bunch scene. of secret service agents that there were, were injured and yeah burned? there was there were secret service agents out there i would say i think a good crowd about 200 300 people were out there it was past me it was it was pretty wild and that's where leland uh vertet with uh, fox news was getting ready for his his stand-up and as, as you said, you know, as soon as, as soon as he got ready, he said the, the word Fox News, the whole crowd turned on him, started attacking him. And, you know, at that time, you know, I just got, got to the scene. I just put my phone on recording, kind of film, film the, the whole attack. Um, there was a part where I actually I narrated a little bit of the attack. You know, Leland made it, made it to the police. And, um, you know, everything changed after that. I think I had about, like, 200 followers on, on Twitter. I think I had, like, under, right under 9,000 on Instagram, and I posted that, that video. Then the next day, I already had a million views. Fox News contacted me saying they wanted the video. Leland himself messaged me and was like, thank you so much, man, for, like, just filming that and having the evidence for yeah, us. Yeah. He's like, if you, you need anything, and then... Your life was um, on the line just like his was, but you were covering yeah. it like a reporter. Yeah, it, it was it was a, just a big, you know, learning experience. And then, you know, I'm a big, big Tucker Carlson fan, so that, that following Monday, I was just watching Tucker Carlson Carlson, like a regular, you know, just how everyone was, and Tucker Carlson actually used my my footage with my voice, and that that blew me, that just blew my mind, and yeah. basically, you know, life life kind of changed after that, and I mean, I think for the whole country, you know, we we went into civil unrest. I remember Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Then we had a situation in Portland with the federal officers. So basically, my my whole life changed after that. I, I, I became this kind of on the ground, frontline journalist guy that I didn't even expect to be. You know, I, I thought I was going to be interviewing Congress people and just covering the election. Yeah, you um, you get thrust into this world, and and there was actually one other event uh, recently that occurred um, that that got massive viewing. Oh, and yeah. I happened to be at that location. It's it's when they did the Trump rally. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and we were all gathering in Washington DC. In Washington yeah. DC, so I'm marching in this sea of humanity. They said there was 10,000 people there. I think there was way more. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. I calculated, you know, Nielsen ratings. I did Nielsen rating. We did projected data. I, I calculated, you know, at, at least hundreds of thousands. I, I and I, I would, I would believe certainly over a million. Me too. The, the, I've the, never seen anything. I, I've like never that. seen anything like yeah. it. So, so I'm there, I'm watching it, and here's what's fascinating. When we were walking up, we could sense that there were wildlings, these Antifa getting ready to launch. And I actually had to leave early, took the metro, and I saw people stationed waiting for the crowd to disperse so they could attack mm-hmm. them. I was sensing the tension, and I even actually kind of, people were thanking police officers, and they almost seemed stoic, like they were involved in it. Like, yeah. you know, we're not going to smile at you. Uh, we're not buying this thing. I don't know what was going on. It was just a weird vibe. And then I, I catch my flight home, and I see your footage that when the, the, the peaceful march ended, D.C. police usher all these Trump folks I- into harm's way. Yes, yeah, and, you know, it's, it's essentially what happened was is, you know, the march was, was peaceful. And then I made my, my way to Black Lives Matter, the plaza, which is basically the street in front of the White House. And right. as soon as I got there, we actually caught this other viral video where we see a Trump family. They have literally a baby in a stroller and two, two small daughters. They're, they're walking. They get attacked. They push the dad onto the daughter. I mean, it was just a sad scene to see kids. In, you know, I've, I've, I've been covering civil unrest, you know, across the country. But, you know, it's always different when you see, when you see kids involved. And it was in the, in the broad daylight. So... After that altercation happened, what D.C. police did is they shut off all the roads and they blocked off Black Lives Matter Plaza in order to prevent Trump supporters and Black Lives Matter activists from, from meeting. What they didn't take consideration is the reason those Trump supporters were walking through that, those, that Black Lives Matter Plaza was just to get to their hotels. Right. The, you know, they were already done with today's They were event. like a block and a half away from their and hotel. I think that the, the disappointing thing to see was that D.C. police, you know, these people, there was a, there was a famous video I have is where I'm filming the Trump supporters come up to the D.C. police and begging them. Let us through. Let us through. And D.C. police... Just saying, just pointed the other way, saying you couldn't get through. And as soon as he does that, literally in the in the video, they're walking, they're getting harassed, they're getting attacked. And DC police just sitting on the line, letting these folks get attacked. I've I've never seen anything like it. And that's when we get the you know right right down the block is where we got the famous famous video now is where uh, the the the, they the, the man, man they, 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 they they knocked them out. I mean Trump shared it. It it went. I mean it went it went everywhere. It was insane. What, what what's it like when you're seeing? It being reported on the mainstream news, and you're going, wait a sec, I was there. That's not the way it happens. How does that? It's, how it's, do you process that? It's, in your head? it's just, uh, you know, it's a lot. It's, it's, uh, you know, you feel angry because you know you're the one that was on the ground, and and most of the time they're talking about your footage. You know, even even with that that video clip, uh, a lot of left wing media outlets they grabbed it and they tried to still blame it on the Trump supporters. It's like, guys, look at these assaults happening in broad daylight. I mean, children are involved. I think. That's that's the big issue that that we should be talking about. But honestly, it's just it's just anger because you know, from from you being on the ground and then trying to see them, you know, swayed another way. It's just it's just very upsetting and and uh, it's it's not right. Mm-hmm. So you, you you started out. You're a student journalist. You're covering sports. Uh, you weren't really political. You you weren't a voter. Uh, this is this, politics wasn't a deal for you. Uh, your parents survived communist El Salvador. Your father was a, a child soldier uh, for the Sandinistas. Mm-hmm. They forced him and conscripted him. They get to the United States. They love this country. Uh, they, they don't see the color of their skin as an issue. They, they, you just work hard. You succeed. They raise you and your siblings, and uh, 
it, you know, they're, they're, they're making this dream of America a blessing for their family. And here you are, you're thrust into national spotlight. They got to be proud of you. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's been, uh, it's been, in, it's just been a crazy journey. I think for them, um, I think my mindset always was too, was, you know, like if, if my parents went through all of that to give us a shot at the American dream, that like, you know, failure is just not an option. And then settling something, mm-hmm. even something for average was just, you know, it's just not an option. So I think that's one a big blessing in disguise is having uh, immigrant parents is that, you know, being here in the U.S., they appreciate it even more. You appreciate, even, you know, the freedom of speech. Freedom of press now is, a, it's, it's, you know, so, it's something that we, we, we don't take for granted. Um, I think one thing that, we, you know, we, we were speaking about before is, the whole conversation with white privilege, I mean, we don't, that, that, that never popped up in my house. You know, we were raised of, you know, if you want something, a position or anything, you got to put in more hours than the next man. First one in the office, last one out the door was always a, a, a yeah. big thing. And, and so we, we weren't raised with this whole thing of privilege and, you know, you didn't have this or your parents didn't go to college. You know, my dad, on a sixth grade education, you know, came to this country, started doing truck driving. And I think by the time he was 25, already owned a house. And, wow. and just, you know, that, that was just the... the the beautiful thing in it and then you know bringing my mother into it so I've, I've been really lucky just to kind of have you know both parents in the household um great marriage with, with my parents and then just kind of instill mm-hmm. these values of of hard work and and you know just put in put in after no yeah. excuses was a big thing yeah go ahead oh i was gonna say we've we've had amazing guests that have been your age range and we're always the audience always comments how impressive it is and how much hope it gives to have somebody like you on that's on the younger side of the generation. My question is, is that now that you're thrust into this, what do you think journalism and your job looks like going forward? Is Mm. there hope in our journalistic future going forward with people like you out there? What what do you see? I think think there is a a little bit of hope. I think um, hopefully with maybe my journey, you know, other journalists out there that, that, that we are now focused. I think a big thing was is is the disconnect, like I said, between media and like the middle class and working class. And I think one thing that hopefully my journey inspires others is, is me being in D.C. wasn't even supposed to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Because every, the thing is, everyone in D.C. is it's already kind of it's, it's kind of already circled in. Meaning the people in media, their parents either went to Georgetown or they went to Howard or they have mm-hmm. so everything's circled in. So even those folks. They don't know what it is to be working class. They, they live in an echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. So when someone like me who comes from a community college cracks into this D.C. world and is able to tell these stories from the middle class, we're starting to then break that chamber. And then hopefully hopefully, with my journey, like I said, is other journalists can start to see that and feel inspired mm-hmm. by that and, and want to tell mm-hmm. their, their story of, of what's going on there in their mm-hmm. town. And I think we really need, we need that yeah. again. That is a great insight because that's the future of journalism in America. This, this idea of citizen journalists and then you rise cream rises, you've proven yourself, you're fearless, you'll go and get the story, uh, you'll tell it honestly. Uh, the video itself will do most mm-hmm. of the reporting, as you know, and, and you're prepared for that. But it comes at a price. I mean, you're stalked, you're targeted, you're doxxed. Uh, you had to get out of D.C. I mean, they were, they were hunting you. Yeah, yeah. They, they now look for you. Yeah, it 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 uh it definitely comes with with, with the price. Um, like I was saying before, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement when it first started, it always just got favorable coverage on the street, and then mm-hmm. uh, until that, until we got on the ground and we started to show, hey, these people 
are burning down businesses. They, you know, we're attacking reporters. I saw that coverage you did. was phenomenal. Unrest. Everything's burning, and you're showing it. Yeah, and they're saying, and, oh, it's you know, peaceful. And it does, it does. You know, you said it comes comes with a price. You know, those folks then start to, you know, try to hunt you down. What they'll do is they'll grab, you know, any photos that they can find of you in social media, blast it out to the groups, try to just get any information they can to 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 come after you. Just just recently, I was at the Air Garcetti, that's the mayor of Los Angeles. I went to his home because Black Lives Matter is protesting him now. Yeah. So, you know, just past Saturday, I, I went and, and I got harassed. He almost tried to, um, you know, steal my phone. And it's just, um, it's kind of one thing that, 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 that comes with this type of, uh, work and um, you know we always keep improving. We always keep yeah. uh, you know doing the best best we can. But it does come it, it does come with a price. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything else. No. So proud of you. I, I, it's he's, amazing. He's he's limited on time because yeah. he's got interviews. So let's do it this way. Tell everybody what you're doing right now because we had to pre-record this just to get you. Yeah. And and you're heading out to. I mean, we met because you wanted to interview me. I would, mm-hmm. I'm honored, man. Thank you. But. Thank you. Um, Tell everybody what you're working on right now, because you kind of got stuck here in California. You were just coming here for just a getaway to be with your family, and then the lockdowns and all the other stuff. And so you're not going to sit idly by. You just started doing something that nobody's covered, which is shocking. Tell everybody what you've been doing. Yeah, so like like you're saying, Rob, I, I got here um, for Thanksgiving week. Was just going to be visiting, you know, mom and dad, and and you know, doing the whole Thanksgiving thing. And then as soon as I landed here. Um, L.A. County put out that they were going to do the ban on outdoor and indoor dining and, and restricting the restaurants to takeout only. And I already knew that what the restaurant industry was already going through before that ban. So as soon as I got here, seeing that was big. And then I think living in the Antelope Valley was was big because just driving around and seeing all the family-owned restaurants and businesses just decimated. Like mm. I said, a lot of my a lot of my friends, their parents own these restaurants. Now they're going out of business. I have friends who are servers at these restaurants. Mm-hmm. Now they're going. Now they're going to be with no no job on Thanksgiving week. So seeing that, I was just like, why is this not being talked about in media? Why aren't these stories being told? So I started just interviewing all the restaurant owners in my hometown. And then from then it kind of got spilled out with you know other restaurant owners in LA wanted to start to tell the story. So I've been really just documenting these stories and they've been you know just very sad. You know, I've, I've, Christian Nunes, which is a restaurant owner in uh, Lancaster of down south, told me, he's like, you know, how, do, how would you feel you have to tell 30 people on Thanksgiving week that, hey, there's no more work? Our local media, right here in the right. uh, there's there's two papers that don't have as much circulation that do a great job. The one that has the largest circulation, they don't do this kind of homework. I know. They, 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 they buy the narrative while they watch our community decimated. And reporters are supposed to report truth, not narratives. And, and you got to come to our town to report truth that they're a stone's throw from here and they don't do it. And, and our businesses are being devastated, and you're here. Uh, and, you met with Dave, Dave Folds. Yeah, and I, the cronies. And I found that, that shocking, too. Then, you know, yeah, yesterday, you know, spending time with Dave Folds at, at cronies was, was eye opening because now, you know, in the beginning of, of the lockdowns, how you said even in, in our interview, is everyone bought it, bought into it. You know, everyone did it. Mm-hmm. You know, restaurants shut down, churches shut down. Everyone, you know, because we didn't know what, what, we didn't what know. it was. We wanted we didn't know. You know we, we wanted to adjust. We want to watch for our loved ones. And, but it's interesting not to see that over time with the data, also uh, the mistrust between government and the local folks. Now and the hypocrisy and the yeah. hypocrisy. And now we're seeing the restaurant owners say, start to step up and say, you know what? We're keeping this thing open. We're defying orders. And the big thing with Dave, what I took away was that he wasn't doing it for business and that aspect, even though obviously it's important. But 
his his main reason was for his employees. Yeah, like he wants he to keep them employed. Not yeah. want to lay off anyone during a Thanksgiving yeah. week or during the holidays. He wants to keep his people staff and paid. I thought that was that was huge. Then Angela, uh, the owner of the uh, the uh, saloon down down in Sherman Oaks, who made the viral yeah. video yeah. in that parking lot. Her, she told me too. She said the day before um, uh, the day before Thanksgiving Wednesday. You know, walking into your to to your restaurant, giving their employees their last checks, and Angela with her own money bought groceries for her employees because she yeah. didn't want them to spend money on groceries with yeah. with that last check. I mean, it's just kind of speaking up that like we're in a, we're in this time now where our government doesn't help us now. Americans have to help out Americans now. We have GoFundMe's to save these businesses. It's yeah. just like and the and the press doesn't help the citizens. Yeah. No. They help the government. Right. Yeah. What What in the world? Yeah. Are, are Are you owned by the California Teachers Association? Are you owned by the government? Governor, why why are you not doing your job in the local press? Yeah. Why why does Jorge have to come from the high desert to come here and cover these restaurateurs and these employees who have been devastated and let go? Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. Yeah. I had to say it. <laughs> no, I, I, I get frustrated. No, I, no, I'm glad you did because you know to those to these restaurant owners, it's very important that we get their story out. Yeah. To them, it means. It means it means the world to them, you know. For for them, you know, they have employees that can't put food on the table yet. We have Gavin Newsom doing expensive dinners, and we have LA County supervisors voting to ban outdoor dining. But the, the day of, they'll do outdoor dining. And I think we're getting to a point where everyone in this state is done with the hypocrisy. Whether it's in the church now, whether it's business owners, whether it's servers. I mean, you could start you could start to talk to anyone. I think people are really starting to get sick of it and. To be honest, Rob, I don't even know how long we could we could go. I really I, don't. I don't. I don't see the state surviving. And I, there, there's an editor of a paper here locally, and I'm just going to say it. You know, I he's more concerned with uh, marijuana dis, uh, dispensaries in the city, and at, you know, I, I can only venture to guess why. But but why would people advertise in that paper that doesn't even assist those those uh, restaurants and those em, uh, employers? To protect their businesses, and they side with the CTA. They side with government. Is, is that where they're getting their funding? And, and, I don't and, get and it. Look how media, even with with the church aspect, how they 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 just went out, you know just against you guys off the bat right and away. One, one yeah. thing that I think media doesn't understand is definitely during the pandemic is just how important the church is for folks in the community when we when we speak about mental health i mean now more than ever yeah they don't do stories is, on that yeah. they, they never knock on our door they'll they'll come and talk about a billionaire fracker right. and they'll talk about all this other crap but but they don't they don't talk about any of the psychological yeah. or or uh, emotional ramifications of the draconian tyrannical measures they are they are owned by and, and these think, government and entities it's just, and it's just uh, you know speaks to cowards the, uh, is what to, you yeah. are you're it cowards speaks to the to the you know elitism yeah. in this in the state that you know for them it's easy to just you know shut down churches and businesses because for them life is good for them their friends are making yeah. money. But they don't understand how report, important report it is Report from us. your living room. Certainly yeah. don't do what yeah. you do where you go to the source and take a video. Yeah. Stay in your living room and cover yeah. your city council meetings or, or, or play on your, your Twitter feed. Yeah. But, Jorge, you're a reporter. You're a journalist. The other out there that I described, that's a hack. Yeah. You're you. a journalist. So. Well, with that in mind, how do we follow you? How do we find out? Because I always get asked... Where do I go for information? Where do I go for a source? So, are the people following you on Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, what, so, what method do they find your so stories? So, right now, um, a, a cool thing is that since I'm with the Daily Caller, you just go on dailycaller.com, you put in Jorge Ventura, you, you okay. find all my work. 
We also have a Daily Caller YouTube channel, so we have all the digital video uh, storytelling there. The big ones, if you want to just keep up with, with me and just always find out what I'm doing on the ground every day, Instagram is a big one. That's okay. um, Jorge Ventura TV. Um, you'll, you'll be updated like day-to-day stuff, oh, minute-to-minute. Like if you're on my Insta story, you'll know that I'm speaking to Rob today. We have an interview in a few hours with another restaurant owner. Twitter's a great one, Venturi Report, because you yeah. get everything live. It's and that, Yeah, that's usually where, where the news breaks first before it gets to, gets to Instagram. But, um, I mean, the, the, the great thing is, is since I was, I've been able to kind of prove, prove my, my track record and things like that is now when I go report these local stories here in California that, that are not getting told is I'm able to shine a, a light on it. And then now uh, other media then pick up on it, you know, with, with, uh, with, with Dave. I believe he has a he has a hit today with yeah. Laura Ingram tonight. Yeah, he does. That's um, great. A restaurant owner that I, I have an interview with today. His name is Alan Adams. I only did a I did a quick two minute interview with him at a at a protest on Saturday. Just put that up on Twitter, and mm. BBC contacted contacted him. Fox and Friends yeah. him up in the morning. Oh, awesome. So the great thing is we are uh, you know getting some spotlight on these important stories and getting it out there. I think the sad thing is that it takes. Someone like me to come all the way from DC. This is this is work that should already been done from yeah. California media. Yeah. But no, no, no. Just stay in your living room and, and take yeah. a bong hit yeah. and report from you know your oblivion. Yeah. But yeah. the great thing is we have a the a, you know a key story is going to be the story that we're working on now, which is the reason why I interviewed Rob was is our story on California pastors continuing to have indoor service and I guess just the importance for them to still have it in, in, in the community. So thanks, Rob, to speaking to us. So if you guys mm-hmm. want to stay tuned for that, that's going to be on the, on the Daily Caller. We also uh, interviewed Pastor Jack Hibbs down yeah. in Orange, Orange oh, County. Great. Thanks for doing and, that. And, and, yeah. and we have a couple other more pastors that we, that we have um, lined up, but I think more than ever people need to see what's going on in California and see yeah. people standing up to... Uh, to big government here. Well, you got to get on the road, so we got to wrap this up. So I just wanted to uh, say thanks to everybody. And uh, we've had Jorge Ventura, and he's been a great treasure. And so we are going to uh, bless you with a reading out of Numbers 6. And uh, this is for you, Jorge. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There you Thank go, man. You, That's for you. Thank you, Be sir. blessed. Thank you so I'm much amazing. for being a great I'm, example. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad mm-hmm. to be here. This is exciting. Well, folks, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Jorge Ventura. I mean, come on. This is solid <laughs> stuff, man. I'm in the presence of uh, journalistic royalty. So God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow night.